by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Oh, I guess I was in the 9th, 10th, 11th grade. I don't remember exactly the time, but I, I know my brother, he's six years younger than me, and it's about 11 o'clock at night, you know, one night, and I was trying to go to bed, and I heard this, this ruckus going on in Mama's room. And so I jumped up and go, went in there to see what was happening at 11 o'clock in Mama's room, and my little brother had come in there, and he had suddenly remembered that he was supposed to have a cake for school in the morning. And Mama was getting him, giving the what for, if you know what I mean. What for, why are you just now telling me this at 11 o'clock at night, you know, and you need it in the morning? Well, she jumps up, and she's none too happy. And, well, Mama ain't happy the whole house is up, you know what I'm saying? And so Mama walks in there in the kitchen, and she's looking for the ingredients to make a cake, and, of course, they're not there. And so Mama goes, gets dressed, gets in the car, drives to the store, tries to find some place open that late at night, finds it, comes back. By the time she gets back, puts everything together and bakes a cake for the next morning, you can imagine, I think it was probably 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's grumpy. Anybody, anyway, we went to sleep and got up the next morning went to school. When I got back from school, here comes my little brother Heath with that same plastic thing that she put the cake in coming back down the street towards home. I said, boy... I thought that cake was for school. Well, he told me the story about it. We got home, took the lid off, started eating it. <laughs> By the time Mama got home at 5 o'clock, we had most of it finished off, and we had icing all over her face, you know. We're all hyped up on the sugar high, you know. And she's like, what in the world? I thought that cake was for school, boy. He said, I'm sorry, Mama. I was wrong. It's next week. <laughs> You know, my boss at my last job in his cubicle, he had a little sign that said, bad planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Anybody ever seen a sign like that? That's just wishful thinking, isn't it? As you can attest by Heath's cake story, my brother's cake story. When you don't plan well, it doesn't go well for anybody. And if it don't go well for mama, it's certainly not going well for anybody, Right? And look around at this world. I don't think anybody's hearing from God, it doesn't seem like. Things are not going well in the world. Nobody is hearing from God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And let me tell you the importance of why we're going to talk about this. Because I see the world, man, I tell you, I've seen some things in the world, and I've been doing, as I do research for some of my messages and stuff, man, we're at the end. And we're in, we're in dire straits. We better be hearing from the Lord. I have been tempted to uh, panic and come in here and tell you what all's going on and get you scared. <laughs> but then I'll pray about it, and God would call me down and say, hold on now, you know, maybe getting the people scared isn't the way to go because fear is the opposite of faith. And so God knows what he's doing. And so last week we talked about insecurities, 
fears. We've, we faced our fears. We let go of our insecurities. God is preparing us now. I want you to realize that. And today, we're going to talk about how to hear from God. Because we need, in this hour in which we live, to hear from God. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. You see, to ever reach our destiny and where we're supposed to be and to do the things that we're supposed to do in these end times, we need to know the battle plans. And we're going to talk about the distractions and the things going on in this world that keep us from hearing where we're supposed to be. Little Heath, he heard the wrong date. Messed everything up. We've got to hear what God has to say. Amen? If we're going to navigate these treacherous waters in which we currently find ourselves, especially as a nation, as a church, there's things that's going on in this church, you know, that we need to know. We need to know what is our next step if we're going to get to all the, the, the picture of who we think we are, of who we know that God has called us to be. Turn to Isaiah 30. I hope I hadn't already preached the whole message before I get there. But does anybody see what I'm saying? Do you think it'd be that it's important that we hear from God? Isaiah thought it was. In verse 18, <coughs> he says, So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. And and all this time, you thought you was waiting on the Lord. But he's waiting on you to come to him. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. You want his love and compassion, and you say, I'm not getting it. Well, you're probably not coming to him. He's waiting. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask. Right? You have not because you ask not. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, which we, we know was discipline for their disobedience as a nation, and he is faithful to discipline his children that he loves. And you should thank him for that, for not just letting you go buck wild and get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. He will discipline you. But he will still be with you to teach you. And that's what a good dad does. He'll stay with you after he disciplines you. He'll let you know he still loves you and he's still with you. And I'm so thankful because sometimes I, after I mess up, I think that's it. He's through with me now for, for good, but he never is. And it says, your own ears will hear him. Maybe the ears of your heart, more so than these. But your own ears will hear them, will hear him. And right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. And then you will destroy all your silver idols, your cell phones. No, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Maybe. Then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images, and you will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, it, when you hear from God, 
<laughs> You're still laughing? <laughs> Thank you. When you hear from God, man, all the other stuff just seems small. You'll get rid of everything that's keeping you from hearing God once you just hear his voice one time. You'll say, good riddance to all those things. You'll begin to be a, a Jesus junkie. Man, you got to hear from God. i got to hear from you, Lord. i got to be in your presence where there's fullness of joy. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Well, most of us know that he's God, but we won't be still long enough to know his plans, to know what he wants us to do. And that's not pleasing to the Lord. See, this whole thing was meant to be a walk together. Am I telling the truth? Was it just supposed to be you get saved and have your ticket and you go on about your way? No. He loves you too much. He, don't, he can't bear a moment away from you. I saw somebody on Facebook the other day, a young man, put on Facebook, I'm thinking about moving to such and such state. What do y'all think? This, this, this young man says he follows the Lord, but he's putting it on Facebook to hear from the Facebook community whether he should make a life-changing decision and move to another state, quit his job, and leave everything and go to another state. Does that sound wise? Most of the people on Facebook don't even like you. <laughs> yeah, you should go. <laughs> yeah, my vote's you should leave, you know. Most of them are trying to get rid of you. They done defriended you 12 times already. You keep coming back, you know. <laughs> Will you be my friend again? You know? <laughs> Christians are not in the right state. <laughs> They're not in the right state of mind. We're not thinking clearly. Either you don't know God's plan or you don't care about it. Or you just, you, you claim that you don't know how to hear about God's plan. But God's not hiding your plan from you. You're not seeking it. You're not looking for it. You're trying to find it by accident. Go get in your car and just take off driving and I'll tell you when you get there. I'll let you know when you get there. You don't know where you're going. You don't even know what you're looking for. Right? That's the way most Christians live their life. They get saved, and they just keep wandering. You were wandering around in the wilderness before. Now you have, you've crossed over. You're entering into a place with destiny. This is on your sheet if you're following along this next statement. There's a fight for our attention. What we're paying attention to. And it's us that has to decide what's important. What are we going to listen to? Because the enemy is bombarding us with distractions. Man, he is the excellent at distracting. He's turned most of the church into social media zombies. We're walking around. We're, we're, we don't care about anything. Of any substance, just what so-and-so's eating for supper. <laughs> it's information overload. 
You know it's just crowding your brain. You're just getting you're so much going in. Somebody today can sit down in one hour and absorb more information than somebody that lived in the 1800s would their whole life. The devil used to, his plan was to keep us ignorant, but not anymore. He wants you to have all the knowledge at once so that you're overwhelmed. You're blowing your circuits. You don't know what to believe. You're like Pilate. What is truth? You wouldn't recognize it if it slapped you in the face. You've got media outlets telling you lies from both sides, and you know you can't trust any of them. What in the world could we trust today? Where is our foundation? What do we do? I don't know. Tell me CNN. Tell me Fox News. What is true? I don't know what to do. Some of you just feel like throwing in a towel, don't you? Man. It's, it's all too much for me. This political race, the world economy, the, the wars, clown sightings. I can't take it no more. You know what? I'm just going to sit by the TV and I'm going to watch Jerry Springer until Jesus comes back. That has been some of our ideas. <sighs> even, even good intentions can become distractions. Are you listening? Even good intentions. Some of you don't intend to watch Jerry Springer. <laughs> Some of you don't intend to get caught up in the things of this world. That's not your intention. Your intention is to serve God. And you may be trying to serve God, but you're doing good things, but you're not doing God things. Tell on my wife, because she's the world's best wife. The other day, you know, there's different ways that I, I hear from God and, and find out what he wants me to preach on. Many times it's just walking here in, in front of the altar, but sometimes it's, he wakes me up in the middle of the night, sometimes it's early in the morning, sometimes it's while I'm in the shower. It's where I can get away for a minute, you know, from distractions. And this other morning, in particular, I was taking a shower, and God was beginning to give me the seeds of this sermon. What are, what are, which direction are we going? And so I was, I was listening, I was paying attention, and all of a sudden Angie comes in, she plugs in her phone to the little stereo thing, and start some sermon pumping out about marriage she wanted me to hear. Now, all the time I ask her, if you hear a good sermon, let me hear it. You know, you, you keep me fed with good sermons and stuff. When you hear something good, let me know. And that's, that's the, that was her intention, to do good. But was that God at that moment? No. Because I, God's intention was to speak to me in the shower, and I couldn't hear anything over that. And I was like, am I supposed to speak about marriage or something? I just didn't feel it, you know. <laughs> but thank you for trying. It wasn't her fault, but that's just the way it is. You're going to deal with things that aren't your fault either, and you're going to have to overcome. Poor Denise 
I asked her, could I share this story? But, uh, you know, Denise is incredible. Everybody that knows Denise, is in, she's incredible. She's incredibly faithful to this church. She does everything here. She's over the children's department. She runs that deal. Uh, she, she's on the cleaning crew. I mean, anything she can get her hands in, I, I, we try to slow her down, you can't. She's just extremely faithful. And in the meantime, she works, you know, a, prom, a full-time job and just recently got her master's degree. She's just one of those goers. She's like me. She's got to be going. But then when you, when you keep your schedule full, when something else comes in there, man, it can throw you into overload. And with, you know, different things going on in her personal life, big stuff going on, it was not the last O'Brien Park, but the one before that. And she had never been to O'Brien Park, and she was going to come help serve at O'Brien Park and, and, and you know, love on the children. Well, I, know, I don't know for sure. She can explain it to you better. I'm just guessing. But I imagine when they told her how to get to O'Brien Park, all she heard was the Lamar exit. Because you know people that are busy, they just hear what they need to hear. She's trying to tune in. She hears the Lamar exit. Okay, when the, when the festival started, we get a call from Denise. I'm at the Lamar exit, but I don't see O'Brien Park. Where's that? We're giving her landmarks and stuff and, she, and trying to... Figure out why she can't see the park from Lamar exit. She's at the Lamar exit up in Memphis, at downtown Memphis, uh, near Union. By the time she gets to the outreach, man, she, she's got, you know, her eyes are all red. I know she's been crying. Just overwhelmed. Not, no, no bad intentions. Best of intentions. But we got to be careful that we don't stay in overload mode. Right? Thank you for coming, Denise. I mean, most of us would have just went home and stomped and cried and quit and blamed and hollered at everybody else for not explaining the directions better. But not Denise. She came, she showed up with red eyes, and she loved the children like she always does. But she just got off on the wrong Lamar. Say overwhelmed. Stressed. Behind schedule. Let's figure out what God's plan is. Put on the screen uh, Psalms 23 in the King James. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord, he's my shepherd. Let this sink in. This is God's way of living. He's my shepherd. What does a shepherd do for the sheep? Everything. Everything. Let's see. Next verse. He make, maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. There's a bunch of words in here that end with a TH that I'm beginning to like. <laughs> he maketh me to lie down. He leadeth me. It goes on to say he restoreth me. <laughs> he prepareth me. He anointest me. T-H and S-T. He does a lot of things for us. It says he leads us by the still waters. He restores my soul. How many could get a little, little of that today? Need your soul restored after the dirty filth that we feel just walking through this earth, this valley of the shadow of death. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Man, he puts his name on and says, man, I got, you. I, got, I got a call on your life. You're representing me, and I'm going to be a light unto your path, a lamp unto your feet. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Like I said, his discipline is good. You get out of line, he's going to tap you back in instead of having to, you run off and the wolf get you. Which would you rather? You fall in a hole, he's got a shepherd's hook to pull you back out. They comfort me. It's comforting to know that I'm under the shadow of the Almighty. That I might make mistakes, but it's going to be okay because I'm with Daddy. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right down here, not in heaven, down here. In the pre- that's, this is where the presence of my enemies is. And no matter what they're trying to do, I'm still going to have a table. He anointeth my head with oil. You're called with purpose. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Doesn't that just, like, like Kirsty said, doesn't it just make you feel good to read that stuff? See, that's where we need to get back to. You know it's right. You know it's right to read the word, to pray, and to hear from God. Not to serve those silver idols. <clears throat> it's obviously not anybody's intention to get overwhelmed. Wasn't your intention to get overwhelmed, was it? That day in O'Brien. It's not your intention. But listen, it has nothing to do with intention. Andy Stanley says direction, not intention, determines your destination. It's your direction that determines your destination. You can have the world's best intentions. Man, I am going to Nashville. I intend to go to Nashville. But when you get in your car and start heading north, the best intentions in the world ain't getting you to Nashville. You're going to Detroit. You're going to Flint, Michigan. You ain't going to Nashville. I don't care how much you intended to go there. It's your direction that gets you to your destination. You've got to get your life moving in the right direction. We've got to get back to what matters. We've got to hear from heaven. We've got to hear God's still, small voice. You see, Moses used to climb the mountain of God. He would go up there and see God face to face. God would download into Moses. He would hear his still, small voice face to face. And in 40 days, Moses comes back down with the Ten Commandments, five books of the Bible, and how to set up the the temple and everything. He's got all these instructions. He knows what he's doing. But meanwhile, the average person, we're just content to sit down at the bottom of the mountain in the thunderings of God's disapproval. You remember God welcomed them up, and they wouldn't go. They were scared. They wouldn't go up the mountain. So they just sit down and hear the thunderings of his disapproval. That's the way most Christians live their lives. They don't ask God where to go. They just wait till they get in trouble and get spanked, and then say, well, I must not go that way. But they're still just wandering around with no direction. Does that make any sense? Don't just wait till you get in trouble and find out not where, where not to go the hard way. Why not find out where to go? I think I preached a message on God's GPS, God's positioning system. How God will lead you to get you to your destination. 
and show you direction. We have access to his throne. You know that, right? By the blood of Jesus. He died on the cross to give us access to come to God, to make us right with God, so that we can come boldly before his throne of grace in our time of need and get the help that we need, the direction. And we just take that for granted. How can, how can you take that for granted? You can talk to God. You can. It's, we act like it's no big deal. But it costs Jesus everything. Andy Stanley also says, discipline. I'm, speak, I'm teaching Andy Stanley's message today. <laughs> but no, but I took a few points. Discipline, not des- desire, will determine your destiny. So you've got you to have some discipline in your life. Everybody desires to be a good person. Everybody, when we're preaching down in the jail, everybody in the jail wants to be a good person. If you ask them to lift your hand, if you want to be a good person, everybody. But without any discipline in your life, you'll never be that. Discipline and direction to determine whether you're going to get to your destiny. That's how, that's how it works. We've got to get our discipline so that we can hear from heaven. Say, put down the cell phone. Put down, put down that cell phone. Cut off the computer for a little while. Wives, take the battery out of your husband's remotes. Help him out. Oh, I'd have started a feud in a marriage now. We'll have to preach on marriage next week. I can see that. Y'all don't mess with the batteries, women. I was just kidding. That's not good advice. Pray for them. Did you hear that? That was a sign that that was... True. Hit it on the nail. Hit the nail on the head there, Pastor. Angel got his wings on that one. So if okay, let me talk to new Christians for a moment. Say you're like you're like the Apostle Paul. Some of you are new Christians and you are Riding along on the road to Damascus to do the wrong thing, and God knocked you off the horse with the blinding light of the truth. Are you going to respond like Paul did? Paul knew, hey, this is something different. This is something different than what I've been doing. Forget all what I've been doing. It was important to me back then, but it's, it's nothing now. Who are you, Lord? Because whoever just knocked me off this horse is Lord. God told him what to do. He was completely obedient. He went and waited at this house just like God said. He was blinded. Couldn't see a thing, but he refused to eat or drink anything until he found out what God's plan was. We've got to be t- have the tenacity of Paul. Say, i got to know God. I'm not just going to spend the rest of my life spinning my wheels, driving around the neighborhood not even knowing where I'm going. Let me know. What should I do, Lord? So the Lord sent somebody to remove the scales from his eyes so that he could see and told him that you're going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Gave him purpose. Gave him understanding of where he's going in life. We've got to ask. We've got to seek and knock. The things of God will be opened to us. 
That's what Paul did when he was a new Christian. Let's turn to Galatians 1.15. Let's hear what Paul later wrote about that experience. Galatians 1.15 says, But even before I was born, God chose me and called me. Well, wait a minute. Before he was born, he was probably in his 30s or something when he got knocked off the horse. You mean God called him before he was born? Is it possible that you were chosen before you were born? Even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Say, called by grace. You're called by grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Say, appointed with purpose. You're appointed with purpose. And when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to Damascus. Now, if you look at the account in Acts, when it happened, it says he began to preach in Damascus. But, there, it does, you know, everything in the Bible is not written in uh, timeline. You know, it doesn't give you all the details. You may have to find another piece of the puzzle, and you find in Galatians that Paul says, wait a minute, I didn't go straight to Damascus to start preaching. I didn't know what I was preaching about. I went to Arabia, and I began to find out my purpose, find out more about who this God is. Then I went to Damascus. Say, pray it out. You, get, you hear from God, you may get a little piece, you may get a little portion, you may, he may set a mark before you, but then you've got to pray it out to get there. Then he'll set another mark, pray it out. Some of you, he'll give you the end game. But I can assure you, until you're ready, you're not going to reach that. And you're probably going to have to pray every step out. That's the way God works. That's how he keeps us walking with him. Isn't that true? He gives you just enough to feed you along so you, he can be with you. <laughs> Some of you may be saying, well, it's too late for me now. I was a new Christian long ago, and I done got everything jacked up, you know. This ain't gonna, this, that plan doesn't work for me. No, yes, it does. Same thing, same strategy. I remember when uh, David, before he was king, he had his band of misfits that, that would go out uh, raiding and stuff, and they had went out on a raid one night fighting the enemy, and they came back to their home base in Ziklag, and the enemy had swooped in and taken all their women and children, taken all their goods, burned the place down, took everything off. And that's the way some of us may find ourselves. You know, we didn't pray this thing out exactly. We didn't got ourselves in a mess, in a pickle. But in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, David was now in great danger because all his men were bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him, his own people. Some of you are saying, oh, that's my family. <laughs> but David found strength in the Lord, his God. That's where he finds strength. That's what you're going to find when you come to the Lord in prayer. You're going to find strength. That's where you stir up the gift that's within you. That's where you stir up the things of God. In his presence is fullness of joy. Everything else seems light and insignificant in the presence of his fullness of his grace. To be with him. 
to know him. The power of his resurrection. Like, like Kirsty was saying as she talked about the offering, it's not just throwing it in the plate, but it's stirring yourselves up to believe what you're doing. It has purpose behind it. In verse 7 it says, Then he said to Abathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. The ephod was the, the breastplate that the priests wore with 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes of Egypt. And they would wear that when they would uh, go before the Lord to get instruction from the Lord. Well, guess what? We don't have to wear the ephod. We've got the breastplate of righteousness because of that blood of Jesus. We have that access at any time. We wear, we live in a breastplate of righteousness. So you see, God, Jesus, he traded his righteousness for your unrighteousness. He gave you his right standing with God so that you can talk to the Father just like he talked to the Father. You can go in his presence and get stirred up. So Abathar brought it, and then David asked the Lord, should I chase after these band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. You see, ask, seek, and knock, and the things of heaven, the things of God will be open to you. What did Jesus do? That's always the question. What did Jesus do? What did he do when he wanted to take his ministry to the next level? Well, we find that in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says, one day soon afterwards, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. And that's some praying right there. That's some praying. But I tell you what, he knew the, he knew the Father. And once you know the Father, you'll want to pray all night too. The more you find out about God, the more time you spend God, with God, the easier it is to pray. Sometimes, you know, we pray for one hour here on Tuesdays. Sometimes we look up and we've been gone an hour and 30 minutes and we don't know where the time has gone. We don't do that all the time, so don't be scared to come. But i got to watch what I say. But Jesus prayed all night. Say, pray it out. Pray, pray till you get your answer. Hold on like a bulldog to the horns of the altar. At daybreak, he called together all his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. He didn't just say, hmm, who do I need to be my 12 top leaders that you know, will be responsible for carrying the gospel throughout the whole world? Um, I guess you, you. Let's say we need a couple of women. No, none of them were by accident, not even Judas the traitor. God knew exactly the plan. God has a plan. You understand that? It's, none of this is by happenstance. Either you're with the plan or you're not. If Jesus had to pray all night, if he was willing to pray all night, how do we think we're going to succeed in our life with a God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this plate and eat and then a night-night prayer before we go to bed, you know. We think that's going to get us across. <laughs> Or we got this, this long list. God, I need this. Do this for me. Do this, this. Lord, I need this. We got this laundry list of, we think he's a, a magic genie. We're you know, trying to rub on God and get our three wishes taken care of. We've got some warped ideas of what a relationship is supposed to be. A relationship is not just doing all the talking. It's doing a lot of listening too. 
It's a dialogue. Doesn't die mean two or something? I don't know. I'm not that smart. Mono means one. Most of us are doing a monologue. But it's a dialogue, a conversation with God. That's the way prayer is. So put down your itemized list and, and listen to him. But pastor, will you just pray for me and tell me what I'm supposed to do? No. You have the same relationship with God as I do. You have the same access. God's not going to give it to me. He's wanting you to come to him. He may, if you're so hard-headed that you've got to have something or something. Some of you know that you've had to have friends come tell you something you should have prayed out on your own. But that's not the way it's supposed to work. Ask, seek, knock, and the things of God will be open to you. Why did Paul go into Arabia? Why did Jesus go up on the mountaintop? Why did Jesus tell us in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you to pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will, will reward you. Why does he say go find a place? Because we've got to shut out the distractions. See, there's an enemy that don't want you to hear. He's throwing fiery darts against your soul. He's trying to consume all your mind space. There's a battlefield going on in here. And you have to choose what's important. Somewhere we've got to quieten our souls and hear with the ears of our spirit. God's not typically going to speak in an audible voice that you hear with these ears. He's going to speak to your spirit. And you need to quieten your spirit. You need to tune the dial of your spirit into God radio. See? Oh, that's up there. I, I, was, I was like, is that a, the altar call song or something? Are we just starting early? Hey, see, God's trying to get through to us. <laughs> he might be. Yeah. Got a silver idol on the altar of God. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably mine <laughs> let's look at David again why did he not despair in his hour of trouble because he knew God That's what he was a man after God's own heart he cared about the things of God he would make mistakes like we all do but he would come running back to God he would say create in me a clean heart O God you know, he would, he would ask for forgiveness when he made mistakes. He wouldn't run from God. He would run to God. He knew how to do it. And he's the one who wrote a lot of the Psalms. And he wrote Psalms 131 that I'm about to read to you. He said, my heart is not proud, Lord, and my eyes are not haughty. See, he's learned it. He doesn't have all the answers. The Bible says every man's ways are right in his own eyes. But David had learned that's not right. He said, I do not concern myself with great matters <coughs> and things too wonderful for me. In other words, I, I ain't got time to do your part, God. I just, <laughs> I got enough doing my own part. But I have calmed and quieted myself. Man, that's some advice right there. I have calmed and quieted myself. 
Do this. See, some of you are just anxious right now. Why is he pausing? Why don't he go home? See, why, why do we have to get in such a rush? I'm the world's worst, I know. Just stop every now and then and say, they can't eat me. Not yet anyway, I don't think it's the new Supreme Court hadn't wrote, written that into the rule yet. But <coughs> Calm and quiet yourself. He said, I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a wean, weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. You know, after mama's fed you, you've been weaned, you've developed a little trust. You know, at first the baby's like, somebody better give me something. <laughs> You know, they don't know that somebody's going to take care of them, but after they've been weaned, they, they've developed some trust. Put your trust in the Lord. You know, even in heaven, the Father, God, likes a little silence sometimes. Revelation 8 says, When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence in heaven for about the space of 30 minutes, about the half an hour. In heaven. Where, the, where they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, nonstop, 24 hours a day. God said, huh, let's just have a little quiet. Even God the Father asked for quiet. Your soul is yearning for some quiet. Everybody in here, I, I know. I don't, I don't think there's a person in here can live in this world that I'm living in and your soul just be perfectly balanced. You got to fight for it. You won't find quiet by accident. <laughs> Most of us keep our TV on all night when we sleep, and, and we make sure to ourselves we can't ride anywhere without the radio blasting. We have accustomed ourselves to the noise in the background of this world. But our soul is crying out for quiet. You got to seek it, you got you to search for it. You know, our band went to play at the Mid-South Fair a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Praise Monsters was playing there. And we did our set, and we was jamming. We had this huge sound system coming out the, the main stage, you know. And we get to this wonderfully beautiful worship song called Holy. And, man, we were just ready to worship. And we start this song, and we're, we're playing this beautiful music unto the Lord. And all of a sudden, I just hear this. And I'm thinking, is something wrong with my amp? And I'm playing. I'm trying to get it out of my mind. It's, surely this is temporary. And it just keeps driving and driving. And I look over, and this Carney's over there next door to the main stage. And he's got this little small PA, about a 50th of the size of our PA. But he's just, he's, he's like screaming into it. I don't know what he's doing, barking at the yak woman or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's probably trying to hear himself over us. There's motorcycles going and dancing girls and they're in holy. You gotta, you're going to have to fight your way through. Sometimes you're not going to be able to get there. But you know what we had to do? We had to, we had to zero in. 
Sometimes you can't stop the noise. And you've got to hear from God right then, or you've got to worship God right then. You've got to fight your way through. You've got to make time for what's important. Or you'll end up barking for the yak woman. might even end up the yak woman. I don't know. How, you, how does that work? How do you become the yak woman? <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 12 says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. That's a promise. If you'll look for him, you'll find him. People come to me and say, I can't hear from God. Yes, you can. You're not looking wholeheartedly. And that, my friend, is the best part. It's not Folgers in your cup. The best part of waking up is a relationship with Jesus himself. Christianity is great that, you, that you, you're saved and you know it. It's great that you're prosperous and you're healthy and you have promises that you can rely on, but the best part about Christianity is the relationship with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Our, the shepherd's voice is the most precious thing in the whole world to the sheep. The shepherd's voice. One time, I've told this story before, I was, I was a new Christian. I was lying in my bed, and uh, I was praying, God, give me a word, God, give me a word. I was so on fire for God, I was just seeking him. God, give me a word. And all of a sudden, it was like I was trapped, and then I was in this capsule or something. I was shooting, I don't know where. I, I could still see that I was in my bed, but I was traveling through space, my spirit or something. I don't know what, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like, and I was just shooting through space. I don't know where I was going or whatever, but I was being transported on the inside. And then all of a sudden, it was like a... And it was like I was inside a soundproof vault. I was transported across the universe. It seemed like this is what it seemed like to me. And then all of a sudden, it was so quiet. There was not a ticking of the wall, a clock on the wall. I couldn't hear my own breath. I couldn't, hear, I couldn't feel my heartbeat. There was not a swishing of air, a moving of sound of any kind. It was the quietest I've ever heard in my life. It was complete silence. And then I heard this. God. <coughs> and all of a sudden, I'm out of it. And I'm, I'm back on my bed. And I, I said, that was my word. Why didn't I ask for more? I just asked for a word, and I got it. But that one word is still working on me today that God, out of his own mouth, would whisper my name. The God of seven billion people on the planet and all the other universes. Everything that he created, he whispered my name, and I heard it. It was the sweetest thing. It's still changing me today. Every time I think about it, God said my name. He validated me. He says, you are accepted in the beloved because God knows your name. 
You're his masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. For God to speak to you is a big deal. Don't take it for granted. And if, if his voice is the sweetest thing to the sheep, what is our voice to him? Your parents, you know how you feel when your, when your kids will actually sit and listen to you. And then maybe obey sometimes. And then you're like, wow, they're blessed and joyful and healthy. And they're on track. They're living life with purpose. And it gives you such great joy. And that's what God is after as a parent. It gives him great joy to hear your voice. John 3, 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Ask, seek, and knock. And the things of heaven will be open to you. But you've got to ask. You've got to do the seeking and knocking. On your sheet there, I, I put today's pastor's challenge. I put something every week so that you just don't hear a good message and then you go to lunch and you forget everything that was said, you know. That's what we tend to do. But this is a challenge so you can take something that you learned today and Apply it practically during the week. So it'll begin to impact your life. This, these messages are not, I don't know what you think they are, but, but God wants to use them to change the way you to be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer only. You understand that, right? But today's pastor's challenge, this is what, what I come up with. Identify the noises keeping you from hearing God's voice every day and ask yourself, are they worth it? Whatever, whatever it is that you're listening to, start paying attention. Is it TV all the time? Is it your phone all the time? Is it your neighbor all the time? Is it your friend all the time? Are you getting more counsel from this friend than you are from God? Identify the noises and then spend 10 minutes each day this week sitting quietly with the Lord. Don't talk. Don't say nothing. I know the temptation you sit with God and I know the same, I, I, I was like, I pray and I say, God, okay, i got to have this, Lord, Lord, you know what, I, and I, I kind of talk everything out and, uh, before I can get to the place. Well, if you have to do that, do that, and then start the 10-minute clock. But get with 10 minutes and train yourself to listen this week. Every day this week, make 10 minutes, and like, you've got to make time for what's important, right? And let God's presence restore your soul to get you back on track. Will you do that with me today? Will you do that with me this week? You can either do that or stay in a perpetual state of cake emergency. <laughs> if that's what you want to do, you can move off to a faraway state, you know, as advised by some social media zombie. I mean, it's your choice. Or you can listen to God. You can, you can begin to listen to God or you can find yourself stressed out at the wrong Lamar exit. <laughs> you want to live your life at the wrong exit? Go ahead, you know. Chase Pokemons or whatever y'all do, you know. Hide from clowns. I saw one picture. A guy had a clown on the ground and was dead, and he was holding his bow and arrow, you know. It's probably true. I don't know. And <laughs> who knows today? Or you could listen to God, I'm just saying. You could live in the thunderings of his disapproval for the rest of your life. You could fight with your wife over the remote batteries. 
But saying your night-night prayers and God is good, they're not going to get you over the top. Eventually, you're going to find yourself barking for the yak woman if you stay on that path. We're, we were created for so much more. We have such purpose. We've got to recognize it. And I'm telling you, in these hours which we live right now, right now, you ain't got much time left to get it right. What are you saying? Are you saying Jesus is coming back? Well, you don't know that. No, I, I don't know that. But I just know you're going to die one day. And that's, that's <laughs> you ain't going to live that long. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day his approach is so much nearer than when we first believed. I'm just mixing up a whole bunch of scriptures. But it, the principles are there. Encourage one another so much more as you see that day approaching. Now is the time. What are you going to do if things go, get real wackadoo here on the earth? And then our government really goes crazy. What if, you know, Russia's telling their people to get ready for war right now? I said I wasn't going to make people scared. You saw it on Facebook. Well, I saw it on the news channel. I'm not sure which one's more reliable. Y'all do what you want to. But me, I'm going to be searching for a quiet place every day. I'm going to be searching for just a moment with the Lord to get my marching orders. Romans 8.14 says, those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you're not led by the Spirit of God, you're just living your life according to your own whims and desires, where does that leave you? I don't know. You're something that God never intended. He never intended you to receive your salvation and then run off. Never intended it. He has always desired to be with you, to lead you by a cloud by day and a fire by night. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well,